And now we're going to talk about those things at the core that might be hindering or keeping us from connection. Today we're going to talk about wounding. Um, I have a condition called a frozen shoulder. Has anybody ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. It's awful. Uh, I had one 15 years ago and it worked itself out and now I have it. It feels kind of like a toothache. Uh, sometimes it doesn't hurt at all. But if I drop something and I make a sudden movement to reach back and pick it up, it can absolutely bring tears to my eyes. It hurts that bad. Um, I've had injections. I've sort of done physical therapy. I know all the doctors are in the room saying, you know, there are things you can do about that. Um, and the truth of it is I know that intellectually, but I just kind of walk around and it nags me. And it, and it hurts me. You know, emotional wounding is often really similar to my frozen shoulder. It's like it's there. It nags at us. It can affect our connection with God in a thousand different ways. It distorts our thinking because it often creates a lie. Now, when I use the term wound, I want you to know I'm talking about something that happens in your life that was not your choice. It was not your decision. It's not something you did to yourself. It is something that was done to you. You were innocent in it. We're going to talk about plenty of other things in the upcoming weeks that were your choice. But this is not something that is your choice, and it's through no fault of yours. The other thing I want to say is, before I go any further, I am very aware, and I hope you hear me say, that wounding can be on a scale from zero to a thousand as far as the impact, the intensity, how much it hurts. Um, I have a sister, Judy, that lives in Searcy, and uh, years ago, she had a young son pass away. He was in a near-drowning accident. And that period of time in her life, all our life, was really difficult. When she mentioned that one time, we were in a group of ladies about that event. Someone else in the group said, oh, I know what trauma is like. I get together once a month with my eczema support group. Mm -hmm. Okay, does anybody feel like <coughs> we're not quite talking about the same thing? Okay, if you have eczema, please don't hear me downplay what we're dealing with, okay? What I'm saying is, when I talk about wounding, I'm very aware of the fact that there is a, a huge uh, range of what that actually means. But here is the thing. Whatever the wounding is in your life, it's an acknowledgement of the power that it has to destroy you and keep you separated from the Lord. And that's what we're talking about today. A passage I've given you that's a great place to start is in Luke 15. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. First of all, I love the fact that Jesus tells this parable and he's describing the Lord or describing God as a woman who has lost something. This coin did not choose to be lost. This coin is now in a dark 
corner and needs to be rescued or pulled out. And this is the principle of dealing with something that has created a wound. When we have a wound, we got to figure out how we're going to live with it, right? i got to figure out how to deal with my frozen shoulder. You know what? I do not sleep on my right side. I have to adjust. I'm very careful when I reach my arm out because I know it's going to hurt. In the same way, these wounds in our life, we figure out ways to work around it. We figure out how we won't have to deal with it if we can kind of walk around it. And here is the way we manage our emotional and spiritual wounds the most. We create a lie. We create a lie in our head that helps us manage the pain. How many of you would say you have a voice in your head? Yeah, we all have these kind of tapes that play in our minds, things that we play over and over. Some of us mistake it for honesty when sometimes it's just a lie. It is not true. Oftentimes this wound The attack from the enemy goes toward our very nature and our giftedness. If you're someone who has mercy or the gift of service, oftentimes this lie can diminish that gift. I don't defend myself. I become a victim. Or if you're strong, then the answer is, well, I'll fix this myself. We go from one extreme to the other. Here's the bottom line with a wound. I had a need that was not met. That's the basis of a wound. I have a need that was not met. Now, as you can imagine, forgiveness is a very strong component of dealing with woundedness. And next week, Reed and Franklin are going to spend the class period specifically focusing on forgiveness and walking that out. Today, I'm going to just establish for us the concept of woundedness and how our good Father God, His heart, is to heal and to take care of those wounds. On your paper, I've given you uh, some things. Let's see if any of these sound like you or if they might indicate a wound. Inner rawness. Often you have a sense of inner rawness and hurt that doesn't go away. Why am I so sensitive? Little or no tolerance. You have high expectations for other people. You feel that kind of well up in you. It's hard to feel loved by other people. It's hard to believe deep inside that God really loves you so much. What about lashing out if you have anger or bitterness or resentment, a sense of hate? Self-hate. Perhaps I deserved to be hurt. Perfectionism. I work really hard so I can be good enough. You focus on your outward appearance. If I can be sure outwardly I really look great, then no one will see what's on the inside. So I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on the outside. And then just low self-esteem, that negative self-talk. Do you hear the lies in that list I just 
read off to you? Do you hear the lies that are not from God, that are not His truth, but they are planted deep in our heart and we live into them because we have experienced a wound. Kind of like my frozen shoulder. I know it's there and it wells up here and there. And that's often what happens with a wound. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of practice here. I'm going to give you a situation, a very generic situation, and you tell me what lie could come from that experience from someone. The first one is this. Someone who grew up with an overcritical parent. If, you know, if someone grows up and they've heard this critical parent in their ear, what might they start to eventually believe about themselves? That was great. What did you say? Not good enough. Yeah, I'm not good enough. No matter what I do, it is never good enough. Good. Is that what you were saying, Catherine? Yeah, I'm not good enough. How does that play out in your life? If you believe you're not good enough, that's the tape that's playing in your head from that wound of having that critical parent in your ear. How does that show up in behavior? And there's no right or wrong answer here, but how would that show up in behavior? Probably have two extremes, underachiever, overachiever. Yeah. You probably have like, maybe a rebellion, underachiever, and then you have the overachiever. That is a great answer because some people's response is, well, I'm never good enough, so why try? And the other is, I'm not good enough, so I'm going to keep trying so I can be good enough. That's exhausting. But that came from the wound of the critical parent in your ear. Okay? Here's another one. Someone who had a father who was gone a lot, and when he came home, he was distant. He was tired. He had other things to do. There's not much of a connection there. What might start to play? What lie with that particular wound of not having connection with your father? What would that start to generate? What lie? Yeah, I don't, I don't feel loved. Yeah. Or maybe I don't deserve to be loved. What else? Not worth his time. Yeah. Not worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not worth it. Yeah. What else? It's like God, maybe God is distant, but God is too busy to, to concern for others. Yes, that's a great point, too, because often these lies are about ourselves, but sometimes these lies are about God. The hurt or whatever's happened to us, translates into a lie about God, which is what you just said. Well, Dad was distant, so I start to believe the lie, Father God, is also distant. And then how does that affect my life? Right? I don't have intimacy with God. I don't feel connection with God. I don't believe He's really got time for me. So... I hope you're getting a sense of how this happens, Catherine. When he does, when God does have time for me, it's logistics. It's not he just wants to be with me. That is a that is so great. So because time, Dad doesn't have time. Dad doesn't have time. So when Dad and I do connect, we got things to do. It's efficient. There's something there because it's quick, yeah. right? And it's not just hanging out. There's no time for that. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. The church environment where I grew up, 
was focused on rules and behavior. Follow the rules. We're watching your behavior. That's what I grew up learning in my church environment. So what kind of lie can I start? What kind of wound can come from that? Yeah, you got to earn it, right? I got to get the rules right first. Mm -hmm. Good. Your value is based on your performance. Yes, value is based on performance. Boy, that one can go in a thousand directions when you start to see how it lives out in your life, right? Um, boy, if I do well, then I'm important. If I reach a certain level of fill in the blank, whether it's in your profession or things you own or accolades from others or, you know, the list goes on and on, then that establishes my worth. Okay, so everybody's with me, I think. How does the father feel about his wounded children? I've given you some verses there. I'm going to just read them for you one after the other. Listen to these. Our passage in Luke 15, does she not like the lamp? Sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it, that lost coin. And then when she finds it, she rejoices, brings in her neighbors and friends. Psalm 147.2, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Matthew 11.28.29, then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary, those of you who carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble, gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And the new has come. Second Corinthians twelve nine. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Romans twelve two, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know what? Part of the transformation of our minds is to identify, had the Spirit identify for us those lies and those tapes that play over and over and over that are not from God. Take them out. Replace them with truth. That's mind transformation. That's what's promised in Romans 12. That's the work of the Spirit, right? To transform us into the likeness of His Son. So what are we supposed to do about this? Well, first thing, it's obvious, is acknowledge it. And here's something that's really important when we talk about acknowledging it. It is not so much what actually happened. It's what you believe about what happened. Do y'all see the difference? Have any of you ever known children who grew up in the same household and have very different experiences and ideas about what happened in that house? 
I mean, sometimes it's mind-boggling it can be so different. So it's not so much the details of exactly what happened, but it's all about what you believe happened. So keep that in mind. Here's our common response. We either deny it. I, I, I can deny this shoulder and just keep moving on. It's probably fine. It's going to go away. It's no big deal. But I can go on faster if I just ignore it. The second thing is sometimes we say to ourselves, that happened to me. I just need to get over it. And you know what? Some of us grew up in homes where get over it was kind of the family culture. Now, as our children were growing up, I remember, you know, now they're in their 40s, so we're way too late for me to fix it. But I remember having the thought process, and maybe you feel this as well, but there's a real tension between I want, to, I want you to feel seen. I want you to be able to tell us what's going on and about your pain at the same time. We don't like drama. And we don't like being self-centered and focused on yourself. And so how do you walk the tension out between that? When our children would be disappointed because they didn't make a ball team or because they didn't get picked for the play or whatever, or the boyfriend broke up, whatever it was, I, you know, looking back, I thought, maybe this isn't such a good idea, but once again, it's too late now. But I remember saying, okay, you got 24 hours. We are going to whine and carry on. We're going to be mad. We're going to stomp our feet. We are going to talk about it. We're going to go over the details a thousand times. And tomorrow, we're going to get up, and you're going to wash your face and comb your hair, and we're going to move on. Well, Maybe we should have hung there longer, or maybe I gave them too much time to hang in it. But either way, we often respond as how we grew up when things come up. So to acknowledge it, you may be wanting to deny it. You may be thinking, get over it. Another option is sometimes we embellish it. Have you ever had a situation where you thought to yourself, okay, that emotion I just felt and my reaction just then is way out of proportion to what just happened. Have you ever had that happen? I have. You know, where you pause and you think, okay, what's that about? Well, sometimes what that's about is when you are feeling a lot of emotion, there may be something much deeper that's not really connected to that particular event. So acknowledging the pain acknowledging the wound, acknowledging that something happened is the bottom line. We have to say, I know I have wounds or a particular wound that needs to be healed. The second thing is name it. Once we acknowledge it, then we have to name it. There's two traps here. The first one is we downplay the intensity of the pain, often starting with others have it worse. You know, and that might be something we do as parents too. Well, you know, those poor old children in China or all those things that we used to use to motivate our kids. And you know what? Once again, that's truth. They need to know what other people are dealing with. At the same time, we sometimes say, well, other people have it worse. Here I am getting all worked up about my daddy who traveled. Here's the other thing. 
it feels very dishonoring sometimes to call something painful or name it as a wound when there was so much other there that was good. I grew up with wonderful parents. Anybody who knows Jack and Bernie Coker say lists and lists of wonderful things, and I benefited from that. I really have, and my children have benefited from that heritage. But there were things that in my distortion of my mind that I wished had been differently. The enemies made a tape in my head and I need to hand that over to the Lord. I need to name what I thought I needed. But it feels so dishonoring. Because, you know, I would give them a good, strong A- minus as parents, right? I would not put them at all. But here's the thing. The enemy's like, okay, I can't give her something horribly traumatic. She grew up in this environment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take something that's not that big, but it'll create a wedge just the same, and I'm going to play it over and over in her head. Because it keeps that static going so she can't connect with the Lord, and I have one. That's the goal. So, this dishonoring thing, I'm going to tell you something. Those of you who have wonderful parents, there is nothing that would thrill my parents, nothing that would thrill me and Mike as parents more than to think our children can acknowledge anything we did that we did not do perfectly and draw them closer to the Lord. Right? Isn't that what that parent would have wanted anyway? And so it's a good thing. Here's the second thing that we sometimes... um, that we sometimes don't know what to do, and that is find a safe place to name it. Okay, so we talk about this wound, and we talk about this pain. Have y'all ever been in a situation where you start to talk about something that feels very personal and intimate, and as the others are responding back to it, you're thinking, I don't need to be doing this here. Yeah, have y'all, has anybody else had that? I have. Because naming something so intimate and personal is something that you need to be in a safe place to do. Uh, Counseling is a safe place, right? You go in and you think, hey, first of all, they're bound by confidentiality. Second of all, I'm paying good money to be here. Uh, And so I can talk through these things because I can leave that place, but yet I was able to talk it through. Some of you have community. or family, where you can talk about these deeper things, and you know these people will hold it closely and carefully and take care of it. Some of you have heard us in this room talk about freedom prayer. That is the intent of freedom prayer, is a safe place to connect with the Spirit to show you these things. It's confidential. Here's the bottom line. Whatever environment you're in where you are naming these things that you want to hand over to the Lord and say, please heal this for me, wherever it is, whoever they are, be sure they're pointing you to Jesus because He is the source. If you're getting advice or feedback from somebody who it feels like they're telling you to take a worldly approach to something, that's not the safe place. The safe place is where the person or persons talking to you point you to Jesus. 
because he is the source. If you're struggling to name it, God is faithful. And let me tell you something. It is so surprising because sometimes it's not what you thought it was. A lot of times you may say, my day traveled a lot. I feel distance from God. Yep, yep, that's what it is. And then the Father so gently says, well, actually the root of that started over here. It's like finding the source of the infection to heal it. That's what it's about. Naming the wounding doesn't make it worse. It places it in the heart, in the hands of a gracious God. Remember those verses I just read? Did you see how he feels about us and our hurts? He's like, give those to me. That is my job. That's what I paid for on the cross. And then the third thing is dispose of it. Have you ever driven down the road and seen all those work crews that gather up trash and they put them in bags and then apparently somebody with a truck is supposed to come along and pick them up off the side of the road, but then you went by about a week later and they're all still there and one sack's been busted open and one's still kind of out in the... It doesn't do you any good to gather it up and to name it and to say, I have this wound and here's my pain and then say, see ya you got to do something with it. You have to dispose of it. This process of naming a wound and identifying the lie is an exchange. Once you've arrived at, here's the wound, here's the pain, here's the lie I believe, there's an exchange. You say to the Lord, here it is, I found it, you showed it to me, thank you so much. If I give you this lie, what do you put in its place? If I give you this lie, Lord, that performance is where my worth is, and if I try harder, I can get it right, and then I'll be enough, I know that's not true. I know that's not from you. I give that to you. What do you put in its place? He will give you the sweetest thing. He will say to you, you are enough just like you are. He will say, I love you if you don't do one more thing. That's not what my love is based on. He will say, let your actions flow out of what you know to be true about you because of me. See the difference in how you're motivated to behave? If I'm not worried about all of y'all liking me because I've already believed that He loves me just like I am. Let me tell you something. I believed a lie for years that I was disappointing God if I didn't take care of everybody around me. And then I was exhausted. You know what He told me? He said, you don't have to take care of not one more person. I, You are mine just like you are. And out of that, this is how you care for people. But you know what? They're my job. You love on them. And whatever happens there, that's my work. That's what he told me. Do you know what a relief that was? Because I had in my head, if I get this just right, people will respond and God will be happy. I had that backwards. God's already happy. So I love on people. And if they respond, great. And if they don't, great. Because he said that's his work. It's not mine. Do you see the difference? So that's where this disposing of it 
To acknowledge it is one thing, but to dispose of it, to replace it with truth, that's where the magic happens. That's where the freedom comes. That's where we become transformed in the renewing of our minds. How many of us would love to think we could transform our stinking thinking? We all have it, don't we? And it's so individual. We all have our own version of it. Sometimes we have held on to an identity for so long, it's kind of hard to give it up. Sometimes this wound and this pain is so much who we see ourselves as, to imagine it not defining us feels a little awkwardly strange to let go of. Um, I have permission to share this example with you, but um, I interacted with a young woman <clears throat> who had a mother who was a narcissist. I'm not, you know, that's a psychological term for somebody who's just <clears throat> pretty selfish and it's all about them. And when it came time, we were, we were actually walking this out in a freedom procession, and she had all of those wounds on a tray and was imagining herself handing it over to Jesus. And, it, and I, you know, I asked her to describe it, and she said, it's like weights, like weights that you work out with that are made out of metal that are heavy, and they're on this tray. And when I hand it to Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, when I handed it to Jesus, they turned into feathers. She and I said, wow, that's awesome. And she goes, wait a minute, I pulled them back. They turned back into the weights again. I think I need to hand them over. She went to hand them over, they turned back into feathers. She could see Jesus looking at her saying, get those to me. But she took them back again. It was so interesting to me. Why on earth do you want to hold on to something that's so heavy and causes you so much pain? And you know what? It was her identity. Because she said, I don't even know what I'll look like if I don't see myself in the context of all that's gone on in my life with this and all this pain it has caused me. You know, this is a process this is a walking it out. This is a building of capacity. This is something where over and over and over you say to the Spirit, remind me. Remind me when that tape pops back up in your head. Remind me. We are dealt with that. That's not from the Lord. I want His truth to be what goes around and around in my brain. That's what I want to motivate me. You know, this is all part of that drawing near and abiding that we talked about last week, and it's that walking this out. It's walking it out. It's building capacity for these good things to be what's coming around in your head. And guess what? Some new one comes up, right? Some new thing comes up, and you walk it out with the Lord. I've given you um, at the bottom of the page just something this week to think about. Listen, I know that this is um, its one of those things where it's very personal and it's very tender. I know that, okay? I know these things are not things that we all, you know, put on a poster board and walk around and tell everybody, but this is transformation of your mind. Go to Jesus in prayer. Go to the Lord in prayer. Say, hey, 
I'm feeling this kind of pain. I know it's there. Will you show me where that came from? Will you help me acknowledge what that is? Can I, will you name it for me? What lies am I believing about myself? What lies am I believing about you, Lord? And just ask Him about that. He's so good. Next week, like I said, Reed and Franklin are going to talk about forgiveness. You can see how forgiveness is a huge component of wounding. Especially things you didn't do to yourself, but that came from somewhere else. Not always is it a component, but it often is. Sometimes it's just a matter of realizing, what is the lie that I learned from that? Anything anybody wants to say or mention here, it's time to get your children, and they won't give them away if you don't show up. Um, Anything anybody wants to add? I would just mention it to me. That was amazing. It's the, the spectrum you started off with of wounding. Like maybe most of us in here, it's something like you know had great parents, but this thing mm-hmm. they weren't vulnerable or didn't have time for me. So, I mean, I imagine in this church for sure, in this room, maybe there's people that have horrible trauma. Yes. That wound is like what colors everything you see. Yes. Um, so just the depth there, the, the spectrum there, like you said, the depth there. That was helpful. Yeah, I don't want y'all to feel like we're oversimplifying something that was absolutely horrific and life-changing. Please, please don't hear that. But also, don't think, well, mine was not that bad, therefore I'm just going to ignore it because if it keeps you any distance from the Lord, then it's serving the purpose, right, that the enemy has in mind. But yes, please, um, those of you, and, and listen, counseling, therapy, uh, support groups, um, I mean, there are so many helpful things to walk this out. But there's also a very spiritual component here that the enemy wants to downplay, uh, and it's very real. Okay, thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you.